All right, thank you. Take your Bibles, please, if you would, and turn to the book of Joshua, chapter 3. Joshua, chapter 3. We're going to be dealing with verses 1 through 7 this morning. And I'm asking the question, have you come to your Jordan yet? And I hope you'll understand what I mean by that by the time I get finished. We're in Joshua chapter 3, starting in verse 1. And it says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from the acacia grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, bearing it, then you shall set out from the place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that, it, that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And let's pause there and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come to you and we thank you, God, for all that you do for us. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for allowing him to come and pay the penalty of our sins that we might know uh, life everlasting, that we might have fullness and uh, joy and peace and happiness. Father, we thank you for all that you do, and we ask your blessings on us this morning. Help us to learn from this passage, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as I shared before, the 40 years of wandering were over. A new generation has emerged and a new tomorrow was on the horizon. I love the opportunity that we have each Sunday morning for the children to come up here and uh, because, folks, that's where our future is. I love the opportunity to teach these young people and look forward to what God is going to be doing in their lives. I love the fact that we are trying our best to become everything that we can be, not necessarily just for us, not necessarily for the Lord. I mean, that's the ultimate reason. But the fact of the matter is, is that one day we're not going to be here and we need to leave something for the young people. Amen? We need something for them. That's what was happening here. None of the, kid, none of the, the adults that went into the 40 years of wandering made it into the... Uh, promised land, only those that were below the age of accountability 
who survived that 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, only they were able to go into the new promised land. Only they experienced the promises that God had offered them, except for Joshua and Caleb, because those were the two spies that gave the honest report as they went out and spied the land that God had promised to them. A new leader was chosen by God and presented to the people by Moses, and that new leader was Joshua. And as they were standing there on the banks of the Jordan and they were looking over to the other side, which was the promised land, Joshua reminds the people that they had not gone this way before. Nobody that had been in that, uh, that were there on the banks of the Jordan, none of them had ever been to that place before. And when they went across, they were going into a brand new start for the people of God, for the people of Israel. It had been 400 years since the people of Israel had inhabited the promised land, and none of these had been there before. He said, this is a way that you have not gone before. And so he said, to prepare yourself and sanctify yourself that you may be ready to enter in to uh, this promised land. He gave those instructions. You look there in verses 5 and 6. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and cross over before the people. And so they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. What a tremendous experience that must have been. These people had been waiting for 400 years. They had been struggling and wandering through the wilderness for 40 years, and finally they had come to that place. Folks, I'm as excited as I can be about Hebron Baptist Church. I hope you are excited because, as Phil said earlier, I believe God is doing something. As I look out at you this morning, I believe that God is about to do some special things, things that we've never experienced before here at Hebron Baptist Church, just like the children of Israel were experienced that time. Don't be surprised to see God do something extraordinary, something that you've never seen before. I believe that's what he's about. That's what becoming everything that we can be is all about. Now, the uh, Joshua told the people beforehand, as they stood there on the banks, he said, you've got to, and this is the first point of my message, and I have to tell you again, I'm just going to deal with the first point. I think I need to shorten my messages and just make them different, two or three different messages to start off with. But as I... I went over this yesterday. I knew that there was no way in the world that you would sit here, especially with all that chili sitting over there. You wouldn't sit here and wait for me to go through all three of these things because it may be 1.30 before we got over there. And uh, so I'm just going to do the first point again this morning, and I hope you'll forgive me for that. But the, the first point is spiritual preparation. What he's saying there, he's saying sanctify yourself. If you really want to become everything that you can be, 
if you want to remain being everything that you can be and not be that roller coaster Christian. You know what I mean by roller coaster Christians? That sometimes you're way up on the top, on the hilltop, and then way back down in the valley, and you have great days for the Lord, and then you just kind of struggle, and you're not doing what. If you want to know that full and abundant life, if you want to become everything that you can be and want to stay there, there has to be some preparation. And I hope that you'll learn from this study this morning that uh, God will enable us to do exactly what he wants us to do. Now, what does Joshua tell the people? He tells them to sanctify themselves. That's the first thing that he says, sanctify yourself. Now, the first time we see the word sanctified in the word of God was found in the book of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 3 where God uh, uh, blessed the seventh day and sanctified it to be a day of rest. Now later on, he amplified that sanctification and caused it to be a day of worship and a day of service to the Lord. And that's the exact same word that he uses here in the book of Joshua to sanctify the people, would sanctify themselves. Now, remember, they had never been this way before. They had never arrived here. They had never done the things that they were about to do. They didn't know what was waiting for them on the other side of the river. Sometimes, folks, the future can be a little bit foreboding. Sometimes it can be confusing. Sometimes it can be a little bit tricky and even dangerous unless we're prepared. I want to ask you this morning, have you come to your Jordan? Have you come to the place? As we prepare for what God is about to do at Hebron Baptist Church, I'm asking you this morning, have you ever come to your Jordan? Now, I'm, I'm not asking you, listen to me, I'm not asking you if you've ever accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is a valid question, but that's not the question that I'm asking this morning. I've been a pastor now for at least 47 years that I can count, and uh, the number of people is countless. I can't begin to tell you how many Christians I have met over the years who have come right up to their Jordan and were never able to bolster up the courage, never able to really take that step of faith and step into the Jordan and cross over to the other side. Now, I'm not saying they weren't saved. I'm not saying that they're not going to go to heaven. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about living above that roller coaster lifestyle and knowing the presence of God in their lives, living that abundant life that Jesus came to offer and being steady in their relationship with the Lord. They just couldn't bring themselves to step out to somewhere where they had never been before. Now, I can understand. That can be a little bit scary. 
giving up their comfort zone, giving up their what everything that feels good to them, giving up the uh, what they were sure of and stepping out into an unknown, putting themselves in a position. Listen, this is what uh, uh, crossing that river does. This is what the people of Israel had to uh, come to grips with. We're stepping out to a place that we know nothing about. We've never been there. Now, we know God promises us that he's going to take care of us, but we've not seen him do that in this promise. And they say it's a land that flows with milk and honey. Well, we've not seen that yet, but we believe that God really wants us to do this, so we're going to step out on faith, and we're going to be what God wants us to be. We're going to do what God wants us to do. I can understand how that sometimes can be a scary thing, putting ourselves in a position that unless God does something miraculous, we'll fail. Nobody likes to fail, do we? Nobody likes to fail. But what we're doing is putting ourselves in a position where we're going to totally trust the Lord. Unless the Lord does something, we're going to fail. Boy, isn't that something? But folks, listen to me. When you're willing to take that step, I reached out over, over this step here where there's nothing there. You know, that's kind of dangerous. And it's I'm holding on, you know, because I don't want to lose my balance and I don't want to tumble over here in front of you unless God puts something there for me to step on. You understand what I'm talking about? <coughs> Excuse me. I'm asking us as a church. I believe God is asking us as a church to become everything that we can be, and the only way we're going to do that is to be willing to trust Him in all that we do. Be willing to take that step when it doesn't seem like there's any way possible that uh, we can do it on our own. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever attempted something that was impossible to do for the Lord? Boy, I have. I have. There have been times and I just, man, I, I, God, I just have to trust you on this. I'm doing it right now. I'm doing it right now. Asking you to go beyond yourself. I'm, I'm depending. I believe that God's not going to let you fail. That God's not going to let you fall. God's not going to let this church do something that we shouldn't be doing. I believe that God is going to build that platform and give us something to stand on, and it's going to be more solid than anything that we've ever stood on before. I believe we can trust Him. Now let me ask you something. We're at the bank of the Jordan River. Are you willing to take that step into that river to cross to the other side? Yeah. Folks, listen to me. Listen to me. God is not going to let you down. I know that letting go and letting God is a scary thing unless we're prepared 
But what does that mean? What does it mean? How do we prepare ourselves for something that we've never done before? Well, sanctification, that's what he says. He says, sanctify yourselves. Sanctification in the Bible means precisely two things. And Joshua deals with both of them in the last message to his people. Keep your place here in Joshua chapter 3 and flip over to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 14. It says, Now therefore, fear the Lord. This is Joshua. This is his last message to his people. And he says, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord, and it seem, and if it seems evil to you, in other words, if it seems wrong to you to be willing to take that step. He's saying, listen, don't serve the gods that your fathers served over on the other side of the river or in Egypt. He says, but be willing. If you want to be able to step out, you need to let those things go and begin to look forward. He says, <clears throat> serve the Lord, and if it seems evil to you or wrong or hard to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose lands you dwell. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now, you're familiar with that verse. So the people answered. Let's keep reading. So the people answered and said, "For uh, far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God is the he who brought us out of the brought us and our fathers up out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage who did those great things, uh, great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out them from before us, all the people, including the Amorites who dwelt in the land, we also will serve the Lord for he is our God. But Joshua said to the people, now listen, this is, this is important. Listen to this. Then Joshua said to the people, this is hard, hard, pay attention. But Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. That's pretty tough right there. For he will not forgive your transgressions or your sins if, we've got to read that next verse, if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn to, you, to do you harm and consume you after he has done you good. What does that mean? What does that say to us today? God loves you. God cares about you. God's going to lead you and direct you 
and enable you. If you know him as your Lord and Savior, he's going to do all of those things for you. But if you keep going back to those old things, if you keep going back to those old gods, those things you used to do, then he's going to remove his. It doesn't mean that you'll be lost. It doesn't mean that you'll go to hell. It doesn't, but he's going to withdraw his pleasure from you. He'll withdraw. He will punish you for the things that by going back to those old gods. He will deprive you of some of the blessings that he wants to give you. Uh, I want to talk for a moment to the youth and uh, to some of the younger adults, uh, the 20-somethings. I want you to listen to what I'm going to say because, see, things have changed. You've grown up in a different world than what I've grown up in. You're, you experience things differently than I do. This younger generation, and they are a great generation. Boy, let me tell you something. You've got a lot of good things ahead of you. But you look at things more empirically than what we did when I was a kid, when I was your age. We believed, we, 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 we looked at theories, we looked at uh, what we call common sense and, and that kind of thing, and uh, we learned from, our, uh, from teachers. Our teachers actually taught us stuff that was good, and uh, we listened to them, and we learned from them. Now, this is not a knock against those of you that are teachers. we got some teachers in this church that are absolutely phenomenal teachers, and I'm not knocking you, but, but if you look at the educational system as a whole around our world, there's a big difference between what we were taught and what these kids are being taught uh, today. And, uh, but you look at things more... Empirical. In other words, when I say that, by observation. You look at things, you learn things by from your own experience. You're not necessarily going to believe something that some old fogey like me uh, is telling you. You want to hear it, you want to see it, you want to experience it yourself. You understand what I'm trying to say? I'm saying that because this is important. You need to know that there is a God in heaven that you can't see. There is a God in heaven that loves you and cares about you and wants to... He knows the struggles that you go... You're going through struggles that I didn't have to go through. He knows the struggles that the younger generations are having to go through that I didn't have to go through. And we used to say, and I've said this myself many times, Oh, it's not that the kids are doing anything that we weren't doing when we were young. We just didn't have all of the uh, social media and we did, it wasn't all over the TVs and, and all of that kind of stuff. That, we dealt with the same stuff when I was a kid. That's just not true. You guys are having to deal with things that I never had to deal with. And you need to learn from your experience. And I know you're dealing with things. You have... Uh, uh, decisions that you struggle with and sometimes you have to deal with consequences of maybe bad decisions that you've made and, and you have to deal with those things and a lot of times 
As parents, we never know about what you're going through. But you know what you're going through. Now listen. Now listen to what I'm saying. You do things more, you learn things more empirically than we do. But this is, this is the thing. You know what is right and what is wrong. I'm not just talking to these. This, I, I, I'm speaking to them, but this applies to all of us. But you know what is right and what is wrong. You know the difference between right and wrong. And you know the times and the places where you've done right, and you know the times and the places where you have done things that perhaps weren't right, the things that you shouldn't have done. This is what you have to need to understand, that you have a God that loves you, and he cares about you, and he will... And the hurts, some of you deal with difficulties and pains and struggles that I never had to deal with, but there is a God that knows everything that's going on in your life, and he loves you. Can I tell you that? God loves you. It's not just because, it's not just your parents. It's, your, it's you. God loves you, and he's made arrangements, and he's done things to help you get through this life. I'm saying this because this was a younger generation that were facing all of the difficulties that were going to come about in the crossing of the Jordan River. They were going to have to go through things that their parents never had to go through. You're going to have to deal with things that we've never had to deal with. But you need to know that there is a God that loves you and there is a God that cares about you. There was a man, they say probably the most uh, empirical of all of the studies is math. Math is, math is just, I mean, two and two is four, no matter how you look at it. Math is one of the, what, the most stable uh, studies uh, that we have. And I think maybe one of the greatest mathematicians that ever lived was a fellow by the name of Copernicus. Have you heard that name? Copernicus, he was back, oh, he lived about 700 years ago, so he was even an old fogey to me. And, uh, and, uh, but he said some things. He, uh, Copernicus is the one. He would, listen, he was maybe the greatest mathematical mind that ever lived. He was a lawyer. He was a theologian. He was a physician. He was uh, a philosopher. He was all of the, an astronomer. Copernicus is the one that convinced the world that uh, the universe didn't revolve around the earth, that the earth wasn't the center of the universe. And he really, he actually even put forth uh, uh, an attempt to number how many stars, the billions and billions and billions of stars. He was a phenomenal guy. When he died, he wrote a book called The Revolution of the Heavenly Bodies. And in that book, he dealt with all this stuff that I'm talking about. And when he was on his deathbed, somebody, somebody handed him that book and asked him to sign it. And he said, because we know that there won't be many more like you. And Copernicus said to that person, said, I don't see myself as being a scholar. I don't see myself as being a great mathematician. 
I don't see myself as being a great astronomer. He says, I am just like this. I'm just a sinner like everybody else. And this, this is written on his grave, if I can find it here. I thought I had it right here. This is it here. In Fromberg, Germany, these words are written, probably the greatest mathematical mind that ever lived. He says, I do not seek kindness equal to that given to Paul, nor do I ask the grace granted Peter, but that forgiveness which thou didst give the robber that I earnestly crave. He understood, he understood that there are things in life that are difficult. He understood that he wasn't right in everything that he did. He understood that there were times when he was separated from God. And what his desire was, what's written on it, you can see it today in Fraunberg, Germany. You can see it written on his gravestone. He said, I don't desire, I don't, I don't, I'm not looking for grace. I'm not looking for kindness. I'm just looking for the forgiveness that you gave that robber on the, on the cross there next to Jesus. And folks, let me tell you something. Listen to me. Listen to me. There is a God that grants that to each and every one of us. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter what you will go through. There is a God that loves you and cares about you and will do anything that he can to give you that joy and that peace to uh, in life. God has, a, God, God has a desire to lift you up. So many times, so many times people uh, think that uh, the purpose of the church or preachers or whatever is just to bring you down and point out all the bad things that you do. That, that is so far from the truth. It just, it's just no way that that's possible because Jesus said, I came not into the world to condemn the world, but that through me the world might be saved. God has a tremendous amount of hope and love for you. I want to read one more thing to you, and then I'll be finished. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. I want to challenge you this morning. And not just the young people, but everybody here. I want to challenge you something. This, is, this, is, this passage is what's called the Great Commission. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 28. It's the last thing that Jesus said before he descended, ascended to the, to the right hand of the Father. He says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appeared, appointed to them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, and, but, and, and this, is, this is how I know the Bible is true. The Bible, it doesn't always present the rosy picture. Look what it says there. Look what it says there. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had appointed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. You know, I mean, it's not just showing the rosy picture. It's, like, it's telling the truth. 
there were some there that doubted that I'm not sure about this. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. I want to ask you something today because this is important. If you're going to become everything that you can be, if we can become everything we can be, we need to answer some questions that are found in that passage of Scripture. Let me ask you. It says, all authority has been given to me. That's what Jesus said. That's not my words. That's Jesus' words. He says, all authority has been given to me. Now, let me ask you something. And this goes for everybody in this room. Have you given Jesus all authority over everything in your life? I'm not asking you if you ask Jesus to come into your life as your Lord and Savior. That's, not, that's the beginning point. If we're going to become everything that we can be, have you given Jesus all authority over everything in your life? He says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Are you willing to go and do anything that God tells you to do? Now, hey, hey, listen. This isn't talking about your best day. Okay? This isn't talking about on Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. This isn't talking. I, have you given all authority to him every single day of your life? Are you willing to do what he says do every single On your worst day, are you willing to do that? He says... Go, and then he says, make disciples. In other words, share that good news with others that you come in contact with. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to share the gospel with your friends at school? Are you willing to are you willing to take the word of God and share it with people that you work with? Are you willing to do what he said? Again. This is, not, this is not the preacher saying to do this. This is Jesus. All authority is given to him. He has authority. And he's asking us to go do these things. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to teach them all the things that he has commanded? I don't know of a church in our country that doesn't need more teachers. Amen? Are you willing? This is what he said to do. Are you willing to do that? All authority was given to him. Are you willing to do that? He said, well, pastor, I don't know if I can do it. I don't have these gifts. I don't, 
I'm not, I've not been to seminary. He didn't ask anything about it. None of these people have been to seminary. They all had work-a-day jobs. He said, are you willing to do that? And you say, well, I just don't know if I can. What was the last thing he said? What was the last thing he said or not? And I will be with you always. He was in the NBA. There's not a place you'll go that Jesus isn't there with you. You'll never go anywhere where Jesus is there with you. Are there decisions that you need to make? Are there victories that you need to win? Are there battles that you need to fight? Then step forward. And all authority is given to him. And he says, I will be with you always. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that means if he's with me and I can do all things through him, I can do what he's asked me to do. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for the blessings that you give us. We thank you, God, that you are a gracious God, one that cares about us, one that understands our weaknesses, our frailties. Father, you understand how sometimes we fail. But you love us, and you're there beside us, and you're willing to forgive. You, you don't condemn us, but you lift us up. Oh God, what a gracious God you are, and I thank you for that. I ask you, Lord, to be with us this morning in everything that we do, that we bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name.